This message is brought to you by ABC Church in Ammonford, West Wales. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org. An Englishman, an Irishman, and a Welshman are crossing the desert. Any of you like these English, Irish, Welsh jokes? Do you like them? Yeah, I love them. And sorry, is Roy in church this morning? The butt of this one is going to be once again the Irishman. An Englishman, a Welshman, and an Irishman are going across the desert. And they're trying to get to a, a, the city the other side of it. It's hot, and they're getting bothered, and they're getting thirsty, and they're getting hungry. And on their way across the desert, they come across this old wreck of a car. And as they pause for a moment by the wreck of the car, and they sit down and they grab some shade and they re-energize themselves, before they leave, the Englishman has an idea. Because how many of you know the English are very intelligent? And the Englishman says to himself, he says, Guys, I'm going to take the bonnet of the car with me as I go. And they look a bit daft at him, does Di and Paddy. And they say, Charles, why are you taking the bonnet of the car with you. He says, well, I think as we walk along the desert towards the city, uh, as it gets hot in the middle of the day, we could use the bonnet as a shade for us to rest under. And Di and Paddy think, this is a cracking idea. And off they go. And as they're going, not wanting to be outdone, Di turns around and says, Charles, we're going to take a car seat with us as well. And Charles looks a bit dumb at him and says, why do you want to take a car seat? He says, well, while we're walking across the desert in the middle of the day and it's getting hot and we're going to use your bonnet as a shade, we can put the seat underneath it and we can take it in turns and we can rest in comfort underneath the bonnet in the shade. Isn't that a cracking idea? And Charles says, yes, great idea. And Paddy agrees. And off they go. But before they go, not wanting to be outdone, Paddy turns around and says, uh, excuse me, I'd like to take the car door with us as we go. And they begin to look daft at the Irishman and say, why on earth do you want to take the car door? He says, quite simple. He says, when it gets hot in the middle of the day, we can sit under the shade and we can sit in comfort on Dye's chair. But when it gets hot, I can wind the window down. <laughs> All of us have needs. And if you, like Di, Charles, and Paddy were walking across the desert, I'm sure you would develop some needs too, wouldn't you? Some of you would want some shade. Some of you want some food. Some of you would want some rest. All kinds of needs. Some of you would want maybe better sandals, or sand doesn't get between your toes. But all of us have needs, don't we? And at the beginning of this year, as we face 2016 together, do you know we're going to have needs? Some of you already have needs already. Needs come at us all the time. It's so demanding. In fact, there's a guy called Abraham Maslow. Every, any of you heard of him? Those of you that study psychology and, uh, and other things would maybe have heard of him. He created or he discovered or put together uh, his famous 20th century discovery that he's become uh, famous for the American psychologist called Abraham Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs that some of you uh, know. Some of you here might be able to uh, name them for me. But me, I need a piece of paper to prompt me. Abraham Maslow says that the first kind of needs that we need uh, in our lives is the physiological needs. How many of you had breakfast this morning? Hands up. How many of you had a drink this morning? Hands up. How many of you have had sleep 
last night. Yeah? So these are physiological needs that we need, that are at the lowest levels of the needs that we have. And before the end of the day, I can guarantee you that some of you will have had a little snooze over lunch, won't you? You will, yes. You'll have another little snooze to top up. And then others of you will maybe have had a cup of tea, or will have had some food, solving your physiological needs. But the second range of needs that we have, says Maslow, is the need for safety and security. The need for our family and our prosperity and to be safe that when we put our heads on the bed at night that we know that we are safe in our beds. And that's something we should never take for granted in terms of our needs. The second need that we need, the third need that we need according to Maslow is love and belonging. How many of you love to be loved? Come on, be honest. How many of you love to be loved? Oh, still, come on, you're still not being honest, are you? We all love to be loved, don't we? Don't we? We all love to be loved. We all love a coach. We all love it when somebody does something meaningful of us. But above that, all of us want friendship. And all of us want intimacy. And all of us want to belong to something or someone. And then fourthly, there's esteem, and then the highest level, he says, which is self-actualization. The requirement or the need in our lives for meaning. And he says that there's an order to these things, which is why if we find ourselves in the Sahara Desert, maybe we won't care too much about love and belonging when we are thirsty and need a glass of water and are like Paddy, Charles, and die. So the title of this message this morning, the title of my message is simply entitled, God will provide. Can you say it after me? God will provide. Last time, God will provide. Because whatever our needs are, God will provide. Do you believe that? Because that's what I want to check out this morning. Because we can say these things. But I want to know, do you really believe these things when we say that God will provide. Our verse for the year is on your fridge magnet that the girls have handed out to you right now and I'd love it if you could take the time to learn it but as well as that it's a verse that we feel God has laid on our hearts for the church this year because this is for all of us individually, it's for us as a, a group of believers and as a community that belong to each other but we also hope that when it comes to the building and all kinds of things that we've got and all the plans that we've got, all the ideas that are needed for the creativity team that you heard earlier, do we hope that God God will provide. Hello? Yes! So we come to a God who is generous and we believe that God will provide. So can I ask at the beginning of this year, what are your dreams and what are your aspirations? No doubt many of you have different wants, different desires, different dreams, different ambitions. But let me, let me ask you a different question. What's your need this year? What is your need this year? Mark did a very challenging thing in our Plus Prayer and Praise on Wednesday night. If you weren't there, you really missed out a great time where we come together again and have fellowship and pray together for the needs of the church. But one of the things Mark did differently uh, at Plus uh, Prayer and Praise la uh, last Wednesday when it uh, uh, came our way was he gave us a piece of paper with 2016 on it across the top and our thoughts and prayers for the year. 
And I had to fill in four sections of this little card, which was prayers for me personally. What was my aspirations and hopes for this year? Prayers for my community. Prayers for the church. And prayers for the fourth area. The family. That's right. That was on there as well. And you know what? I could fill three or four of them dead easy. When it came to my family, the prayer of our family, and I, d- I suppose Mike's is the same as well. Prayer of my family is Mike and I have an older brother. Mike worships with me here in this church, and so, so does my mother. But you know, we come without our brother, my older brother Peter, and I believe that God saves families. Do you? And so my prayer this year, in fact, more than my want, one of my needs every year my prayer if you'd ask me what's the one prayer i would love to see answered that's top of the agenda in fact it's not so much a want anymore it's become a need remember the famous scottish evangelist that said give me scotland or i die something has moved or moved in his heart from a want and a desire to move to a sense of urgency and passion, it had now become a need to him in his life. So these needs are things that will come away because there might be some things for you that will change this year. Some of your wants might become needs, but some of your needs might become your wants. And there's all kinds of things that can happen for us in the year that lies ahead. But one thing I want you to know at the beginning of this year, in January, is that God will provide. I want you to take it away as a promise. I want you to pin that to your fridge magnet, maybe when the fridge is a little empty. That God will provide your needs for you, no matter what happens. And never forget, speaking to Ivion one day, those of you will know, Ivion loved lots of different things. He loved conversation. He loved tea. He loved company, but one of the things he loved, possibly even more than that, was the sun. If Ivion was for 10 seconds in the sun, you would see him turn his face upwards, and he would turn, we always used to say, we sure he had Romany blood or something in him somewhere, because he had to look at the, 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 look at the sun for about 10 seconds, and his face would just change colour to the darkest shade of brown, and Mark is exactly the same. But I never forget him telling me some things that that had changed in his life when he was struck ill. And one of the things that changed for him was holidays in the sun were things that didn't happen any longer. Because of the treatment that he was under, he couldn't fly any longer, so he couldn't go and fly to the sun. And he said, Phil, he said, (laughs) do I feel some days like I need some sun? And I don't know, with the weather we're having at the moment, do you feel his need? that we need some sun. So God, we petition your throne this morning and we would ask, for just a week, will the rain relent and can we have some sun? And everyone said, oh my God, will supply all our needs. But whatever your needs are and whatever changes come your way this year, I want you to realize that God will supply your needs. So quickly, as we look at this passage of script, what's the background to this verse? So quickly, who wrote it, why and how, and what are the questions around this? So we can ask some kind of journalistic questions, the who, what, why, when, where, how questions, and dig into this and find out. Well, you will know if you know your Bible that this uh, uh, Philippians chapter 4 verse 19 was written by Paul to the church that he had established in Philippi. Paul is writing this from jail at the time. 
So he is there knowing that God really needs to supply his needs because he's low on options because he's in prison. Most people, we know he was imprisoned in Caesarea and Rome and other places. And most theologians believe he was in Rome at the time when he wrote this to the church that he'd established uh, some years earlier. And there's basically five sections to this uh, simple uh, four-chapter book of the Bible. So some of you, particularly if you're a new Christian, uh, you will know that the book is a collection of 66 books. In fact, it's more of a library. The book uh, Bible comes from the word biblio, which ba- basically means a collection of books. And so one of the books that's in the Bible is this letter that Paul wrote to the church in Philippians. And it's sectioned for us in God's word so we can understand the book, instead of being one big book, just like modern books today, are broken down into chapters to make it easy for us to read and chew on. So there's five things that Paul was writing this chapter to these people. First of all, he wanted them to know that things were going well for him, even though he was in prison. Secondly, there appears to be some kind of problems or discord or division in the church that he had established some years earlier. And so the Apostle Paul is writing them to encourage them uh, with humility and uh, encourage them with humility to work towards unity together. Thirdly, Paul is a theologian, so he writes to head off some negative teaching that is coming into the church and the consequences of them listening to certain false teachers. Fourthly, he writes to commend Timothy and write to them to give him an update about Epaphroditus. And then finally, Paul writes, and this is the segment that we are looking at, writes to thank the church for their concern for him and the gifts that they had sent to him. So I'm going to read that section to put this verse into context so that we can grab just that paragraph of Philippians 4.19. And I'm going to start reading from verse 14 after he's told them to rejoice and to be hopeful in all that God has for them as a church. He says this of them after he's told them to think about all the good things, thinks about what Jesus Christ has done for them. He says and breaks off into this passage of scripture where it says, Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, you as Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, that means the good news about Jesus, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. Not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. How many of us know that we should be generous? As Christians, we are to live generous life. And as, as um, Mike thanked you earlier, we thank you in this church repeatedly for your generosity in the giving of yourselves and of your finances to the mission and the vision of this church. And he continues here in verse 16. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts, what I have and more, what I have, I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied. Now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, they are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God. And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. First thing we can learn from this passage of scripture and that context. Because we must never take text out of context and make it a pretext. We must never do that. We've always got to put scripture 
in line with what was going on in the, in, in the situation. Remember, we talked about speed bumps last year. Buts, ands, therefores that are put in the Bible that we should look out when we're reading the Bible. And my God shall supply all your needs. It starts there. And verse 18. My God shall supply. It's a speed bump. Pause. Look at what Paul said earlier. First point I want to make is this, and it's really, really important. Needs are met out of our own generosity. Our needs are met out of our own generosity. The Bible says if we sow sparingly, we will reap sparingly, doesn't it? The Bible also says that if we sow generously, we will reap generously. And he is phrasing this, is Paul, specifically because the context of he knows this church. He knows the people, he knows of their generosity, and he knows that they have given to him when they had very little themselves. And it's off the backdrop of their giving that instead of thinking of themselves, that they looked outward and thought of others and thought of Paul and thought of others, probably other um, teachers and missionaries that were working at that time that maybe didn't write in the same way. But the church in, in Philippi had this commitment to giving and giving of themselves and all that they had in order to make the gospel and make the mission and the message of Jesus Christ go further. The Philippians gave to him when others didn't. Let me read again verse 14. In the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. What a terrible detriment, isn't it? What a terrible indictment on the church. Can you imagine here as a church, as a congregation, how many are we are? Maybe around 100 this morning uh, here in, in God's house. Can you imagine if only one person was giving? We could maybe afford to put the lights on just for like 10 minutes. We maybe wouldn't be afford to keep the heating on. But that's not the case in this church. This is a generous church. You are generous people. And that's how we can give and that's how we grow and that's how we prosper and get the message out to other people is because of your generosity. Right now, there are people that are benefiting from your generosity. In fact, right now, there are children of this church, aged between 3 and 10, being taught right now in a room that is upstairs that was refurbished and paid for by your giving and your generosity. I went up there this morning. You should see it. It's lovely and warm and cozy and, you know, the, compared to the, the old uh, room that we had there. But that's been made possible by your giving. And so the, our children, the children of this church, the ones that we care for and love for, are today hearing the good news of Jesus in a fantastic environment because of your generosity. That's how it's supposed to work. That's how it's supposed to work. And Paul is saying here, not one church, not one church was with me except you. So can we be the ones that's with God this morning? Can we be the ones that are generous this year? 
and that we are looking out of our wants and out of the things that we want, that we make sure that we're stewards of what we have and that we give it, even giving it to those who maybe didn't even want it. Paul makes it clear that he didn't even want your gift. He was in such a place of understanding himself in Jesus Christ that he said in verse 17, Not that I desired your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. What Paul is praying for in the middle of prison, instead of comfort for himself, but he's praying for the Philippian church and for the success and for everything to be credited to them for what they were doing for God. God will supply our needs because of the sacrifice. Secondly, not only is it given out of generosity, but secondly, God will supply the need. God will supply the need. Now, this is something that's baffling to me a lot of the time because, do you know what? Um, you know, we pray that prayer sometimes, and I've got to confess that, that you know, we pray this prayer, don't we? Our Father who art in hand, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you pray that prayer with me, the Lord's Prayer? But I pray that prayer and I say, Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But I've got to be honest, a lot of the time when I'm praying it, I kind of know what God needs to do to fix the problem anyway. So a lot of the time I'm kind of praying those prayers off the backdrop of my thinking that sometimes goes into, instead of just leaving the problem with God, I tend to say, Lord, because God, if you could do this, if you could do that, oh, we would have a... How many of you preach at God sometimes when you're praying? Or is it just me? Or is it just me that comes because sometimes we think we can fix the problem in this way and we say, my will be done on earth as it is in heaven instead of thy will be done. It is God who supplies our need. It is God who works in you and through you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So when we come to him this year, let's just hand it all over. Shall we? Let's cast our cares on him. You know that message that was so impactful in my life last year from uh, Andrea, Be Still. You know, I was just, I was, even while the worship team was singing that earlier and, and ministering to us, you know, I was sat in my chair thinking, God, once again, you're reminding me for all of our hopes and ambitions for our church this year, we can't do any of it. We've just got to be still and trust in you, haven't we? My God. My God shall supply all our needs. He comes and he is the provider. And that's what he was designed all the time to be. We've been discovering it since the beginning of time. In fact, he is our Jehovah Jireh. And that comes all the way back from Genesis 22 verse 14, doesn't it? Where Abraham is going and he's been challenged by God if he would sacrifice his own son Isaac. Would he do that? And so, as they're going to prepare it, Isaac is saying, Dad, Dad, we, you know, we've got all this sacrifice. We're going up to the mountain to do this. He says, you know, you know what are we going to sacrifice? And he turns around and says, don't worry, he says, God will provide a sacrifice. And you know the story, if you know your Bible, that when he's going to slay his own son, Isaac, it was a test. God wanted to know, was Abram's heart for his son, Isaac, more than it was for him? And as he goes to slay him, he speaks to him and stops. And there's a lamb caught in the thicket. 
and they take the lamb and in the end they sacrifice uh, that lamb instead of Isaac and the Bible tells us Genesis 22:14, and Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah Jireh as it is said today in this mount the Lord my provider the Lord he shall be seen Jehovah Jireh Yahweh our provider and he provides all the time he provides manna and quail for the children of Israel didn't he and he's provided for you today who provided the oxygen who provides the copious amounts of rain we're having at the moment does it just fall from the skies by itself God sends it doesn't he God sends it all good things around us are sent from heaven above so let's thank the Lord for all he's done God is the author and sustainer of everything John 1 tells us without him was not anything made that was made so God will supply us but thirdly God will supply us out of his riches I tell you what out of his riches there's a famous quote that's been taken quite out of context several times that Margaret Thatcher, remember she was talking quite a bit about capitalism as she usually did and she says, you know, what people forget a lot of the time about the, uh, the, um, the good Samaritan is he just didn't satisfy the need, he also had money. And so quite often we can think that riches is the answer to all of our problems when sometimes they're not but i thank god that we have a rich god do you out of his bountiful riches he will supply our needs not our wants but quite often it's our take and our perspective on things that we need to get into uh, correct focus one day a very wealthy farmer took his son on a trip to the country for the sole purpose of showing his son how it was to be poor. He was hoping that in spending the time with the poor that a good work ethic would be ingrained within his son so that he, like him, would strive to be wealthy. They spent a few days and a few nights on the farm of what would be considered a very poor family at that time. The father didn't say anything at all, just let his son observe for two, three days. And after the return from the trip, the father asked his son how he enjoyed the trip. It was great, Dad, the son replied. The father asked, did you see how poor the people were and what they could and could, uh, couldn't and could do? Oh yes, said the son. I really noticed that. Ah, said the dad. Great. So what you did you learn from the trip? Asked the father. The son answered, I saw that we have one dog and they had four. We have a pool that reaches to the middle of our garden. They have a creek that has no end in sight. We have imported, imported lanterns in our garden. They have the stars of the night sky in theirs. Our patio reaches to the front yard. They have the whole horizon. We have a small piece of land to live on and a fence around it. They have fields that go above and beyond and go out of sight. We have servants who serve us. They just serve others. We buy our food, but they grow theirs. We have walls around our property to protect us. They have friends to protect them. 
The boy's father was speechless, and just before he could say anything, his son added, Dad, it really, really showed me just how poor we really are. God will supply our needs, not our wants. And I don't know about you, but sometimes over Christmas, as we look at what we have and what we all get up to, sometimes I think that it's good in the new year just to refocus on what really, really is important, isn't it? So when we come to this verse, we've got to get in the right perspective and we've got to come to the God of all wealth and the one who can bless us with everything that's his. He will supply our needs according to his riches in glory. And fourthly, and the final point that I want to leave with you, not only is giving to be done out of generosity, not only will God supply us, not only will he supply us out of his riches, But fourthly and finally, I want to ask you a question. Is he yours? Is God yours? Can you say, like Paul, my God will supply all your needs? And do you really believe it? You see, for him to be our God, for him to be my God, we can have two different mindsets on him being our God. Because he will provide us, provide for us, a lot of the time, all the same. And the two stories I want to use in illustration in closing are two stories that are to be found in the Bible. One that's to be found in Luke chapter 8, and it's the woman who uh, had an issue of blood. She had a, a hemorrhage. And she had heard about Jesus and all he could do in his healing. Read it in Luke chapter 8 when you get home. And... Uh, she had read and heard the stories all about what Jesus had done with the miracles that the blind saw, that the lame walked, that he did all manner of incredible things. And she thought to herself, if I can just get to touch his garment, I'll be made whole. And the story goes that she pushed through the crowd on a busy, busy day with all the crowds around. She touched his garment and she was made whole. And Jesus healed her. And it goes on to the dialogue with Jesus asks who touched him. But the one I want to look at as well, which is a slightly dysfunctional way that sometimes we can connect with God, is one that's taught to us in John chapter 5 or chapter 6. I think it's John chapter 5. Dai, could you get the beginning of, I think it's John chapter 5 up on screen. It's either John chapter 5 or 6. Fantastic. Let me read this story with you. Sometime later... Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool which in Aramaic is called Bethesda and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades or five arches. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie. The blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? What's he asked him? Before we go any further, do you want to get get well? So you think the simple answer from him should be what? Okay, how does he answer? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool. When the water is stirred, when I'm trying to get in, someone else gets down ahead of me. Then Jesus said unto him, Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. 
the day on which this took place is a Sabbath, and we could read on in the scripture that everybody there made a big fuss because he'd done this on the Sabbath. Sometimes when we come to God with our need, we come to him with our own mindset and our own excuse. Exactly when I was uh, encouraging you earlier about sometimes when we come and we pray, my will be done instead of thy will be done. Sometimes we think that the way to solve the problem is instead of like the man at the pool of Bethesda, just to come with a simple, do you want to be made whole? Yes, we come with an excuse. Well, you see, the problem is, Lord, every time the water comes and stirs, somebody else beats me to it. Whereas the woman with the issue of blood had just simple faith. She knew God would supply the need, went to him, bang. Can we come and have a my God mindset of a God that will supply all our needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus this year? Can we? Because we can say this verse, we can put it to our memory, we can say it, we can fridge it, we can do whatever we want to do with it, but we've got to believe this. And it's got to be yours. We have got to own this church. We have got to own this for ourselves so that we, like Paul, who spoke in the first place, can turn round and can say with all fullness, authority, assurity, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Amen. Well, should we thank Pastor Phil, don't we? This message was brought to you by ABC Church. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org or search for us on Facebook or Twitter. You can also contact us by phone on 01269 596000.